welcome back to Sidetracked. I am just putting a trigger warning here now before we start this episode where I talk about my year in being 19 and it's an interview between Ava and I and a bunch of my friends submitted questions to Ava that they wanted her to ask me. Um, trigger warning, there is a, there are mentions of um, suicide and disordered eating and if you are seeking help, I put some resources down in the description below and highly encourage you to use them if you feel you even need them a little. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode and tell me what you think. Bye. If you do want to skip those parts entirely, go from the 36th minute to the 43rd minute. Uh, bye for real. I'm not nervous, but, like, I'm not not nervous, you know what I mean? This is Late Night Talks. With so that's not how we're going to introduce this, but good try. <laughs> that was great. Your birthday is really soon. Really soon. It's like this week. I know. I did take a note from Doran this year saying I'm opting out of aging. I did consider that. However, um, I do feel like I lived out a lot of 19 well, um, May, June, July, part of August. So I think I actually might be ready. But I do have this whole theory that when you turn 20 and from the age of 20 to 24, you're like baby again. You're like freshman again because you're a freshman of the new decade you're entering, you know, the new decade of your life. And it's a, it's kind of, it's kind of a fresh start. However, I am very attached to being like angsty New York City well, I've teen girl. You, you always like, I feel like you give me 19 forever vibes. I really loved being 19. So I, okay, so just to, the last episode, I went through my entire year by myself. So if there are some holes, I'll fill them in. But I, just for the record, I'm letting Ava guide this interview and I have control issues she's, and I'm kind of nervous. She's, she's really starting it off really strong, guys. I have like pretty severe control <laughs> issues and like I'm a little bit like uncomfortable with me. I don't know how anyone does it oh man i've been interviewed before but like as an artist like i've never been interviewed as a person who am i showing up as today versus who am i because sh- i'm the only person i'm flattering is myself or i'm not trying to flatter anyone life is performance but when you're on a date for example like i have a lot of fun with dates because it's like oh, i'm trying to impress them and trying to read them and see what they'll react to because there's a lot of power in making people react but these types of episodes are just for me mm-hmm. so i'm the only person i'm trying to please is future self which i don't even know her so it's kind of like so this is the diary of caroline it's a big question mark on who this is for so i will know because i'm going to age hopefully um hey, maybe she keeps a really good skincare routine guys <laughs> So her face is baby. She's not joking when she says she looks 12. I do look 12. Her skin is glowing. And we should all take notes. We'll do that later. We'll do that later. Um, Avery said that to me. Avery said that this weekend. Because I was like, oh, you know, I'm trying to like be Benjamin Button. I'm trying to like age backwards. And she was like, you'll never get into a club ever. She was like, I think you could use some sun. And I was like, absolutely not. Well, I feel like when you turn 20, I feel like that might be necessary. Because it's like an in-between. I feel like 20 is such an in-between age right yeah it's like you're not 21 you're not the full grown adult that everybody says you are but you're definitely much older than a teenager yes and so i feel like yeah it is about maturity now that i'm 20 it feels weirder to look 16 yeah 
I don't know. It's a balance of maturity. I mean, you got a few days left. Give I do have that. a few days. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Y'all, we don't, we don't know. The stress in my life is, it's been pretty up and down. I mean, we could talk about a yeah, lot. Let's, so. let's talk about okay, it. Okay, let's, let's get into it. it. So these past, you've been doing a lot. A lot. The oh, most. She's been out of the house a lot. Yes, I have. And I want to know about these things that you've been doing, right? Yes. So let's talk people that you've met that you thought were really interesting. That were really inter- integral. Oh dear. To your growth, or not, or stunted it. Oh, both are valid. Fuck. Okay. First curse of the night. <laughs> it's a long road from here. Um, where do I begin? May happens. I am just happy because I'm transferring to Clive, and I'm like, this is fucking summer. COVID's over. Actually, the real end to COVID felt like two two times. To, it felt like it was really over which it's not really over guys delta variant is here but like we're we're talking retrospect so it's fine felt like life was really back to normal when one my best friend in the whole world nina del rio came home mm-hmm. and i went with her parents to the airport to pick her up and when my best friend came home i was like everything feels a little bit better also maxime had been home at that time and most of my screen time on my phone is from facetiming them twice a day you know and long distance friendships long distance friendships but we really all grew together and it was i mean maxine was you know he was in and out but like for the most part it was long distance with nina and i'd seen her for almost two years but we really grew together and i'm really proud of that and i didn't expect to grow more with people that were far away from me than with people that were here but it did so my friends came home and then when i went to shout out cisco cisco's show it was the first show back with like my friends and it was like touching to be so filled with joy which is what my mom told me would happen she said everyone would be so overjoyed that i would have less of the high school anxiety i had where you're afraid of people judging people and i was so distracted by the fact of how happy i was to be there that i was like i don't really care what people think about me i'm having a really good time and that's a good thing that came from the pandemic um yeah that's when so that's when summer felt like it began then i just started going out quite a bit <laughs> going clubbing which i had never done in my high school career because i went from conservatory conservatory covid so never had a drop of fun that wasn't like in a dorm room we just had a f- we've had a really fucking great time i feel like there. are oh you said people well okay when yeah, when pride happened everyone was just hanging outside my fire escape and like uh we live on a good block for pride let's just say and everyone was like hanging off and it was like beaut. okay i say hanging off very loosely we were on the fire escape everyone <laughs> like, was dangling from the fire i'm thinking escape. about like sea monkeys it just like <laughs> no no yeah i know um <laughs> the no we were just there and i was like this is really a neo gatsby summer because we're all like living for the most part like for free because mo- either people are at their parents or they're staying with me um which that we'll get to that um that i've basically been running a hostel this summer yeah, it's um been tight. it's been really tight in here in this one bedroom turned four with f- seven watermelons and two cats and eight people at times um i was like this is really our neo gatsby summer and like it really has been because we've been running into the same people ironically we've been going to parties we've been going to parties all across the city whose apartment on the upper east side who's this whose house i'm going to that i genuinely don't know like we we did it all you know um a lot of rooftops, I, lot of rooftops. wait okay adding on to the rooftop this is a tangent but it's kind of funny so 
<laughs> I'm going to talk about the legend of Party Zach. Okay. Party he, Zach. Zach. Party Zach, shout out. So, Party Zach <laughs> is this guy that my whole group of friends met at a party. And when I say group of friends, it's like 10 people, I'd say. The 10 of the same people this summer, probably. I have a large friend group. Um, and I'm like the catalyst or the connector to all. Like, I've introduced everyone to everyone to everyone to everyone outside of the LaGuardia, which is fun. I love seeing my friends become friends. I think it's a fun thing. I feel like a little matchmaker. Party Zach. We met him at a rooftop party. And, like, now we just invite him out. And he's, like, he doesn't have an Instagram. He's, he's like, the most Gatsby character. Very interesting because I always say, I think a lot of people say, don't trust people who don't have any socials to link to. And I s- our age. Yes. That's terrifying. I usually say that, but he's very normal for the most part. At least I know. I mean, I, I thought that too. He's very, very attractive. He's a. No, he's attractive. He looks like a famous actor. He does. He looks like a no, famous he actor. Like Noah Centineo. That we can't. Okay. Noah Centineo. He looks like <laughs> Noah Centineo. He's a poet. And we only refer to him as Party Zach. And I just think that's really funny. Yeah. Um, so lots of characters like that. I danced with Lance Bass this summer at Barracuda. Um, okay. On Pride, which I felt like was an iconic moment for me. I think it was. People I've met this summer. People you've met this summer. Uh, She's really uh, He's not going to listen to it, so it doesn't matter. So. <laughs> well, okay. She just gaslit the fuck out of herself. <laughs> but I made some really delightful friends that are going to be here for the next year. I met them at shows and that was lovely and it was just by being friendly. Um I think I wasn't so friendly for a little bit because I was very insecure. And then COVID was like you have no choice but to like throw yourself out there. And I was like bet. Make connections with people because you felt so disconnected for so long and like that I did this summer. Oh my god. I feel like a poison ivy. I'm infecting everyone. Everyone I feel like I just know so many more people and there's so many more names in the name book, which is great. Like making connections with people from different areas is like makes you feel like a person instead of just people you're obligated to kind of know. I mean, I think that's the point of being. It is. Yes. Yes, exactly. And now it feels like, oh, I get it now. You know, this is what going to college and doing this stuff is. And like, I've made some beautiful connections with this podcast. And I think a huge part of this podcast was birthed from feeling so disconnected. I've made a lot of connections with people. I also was kind of looking at the summer, being like, I'm going to do Hot Girl Summer, blah, blah, blah. Weren't we all? And I was like really (laughs) trying to do it. And then I met a boy and it didn't end well, but I'm so glad it happened because I haven't liked someone that much since like a really long time ago and the fact that it happened kind of again on a much smaller scale may I say was liberating I typically hook up with boys I don't like because it's safer when I like want to cut it off or get bored and this was not that it was a little scary I think it made me realize how uneasy happiness makes me because you're showing someone hey I'm not on guard right now but also happiness is like more of a instinct what like your gut says is good like i feel like that's it's more like sadness can be really broad right so i think we can we can pile a lot into sad and say oh well this makes me more happy than it makes me like static so it's obviously this um and i think that we like to like categorize it as this is bad this is good Um, yeah but i think that when we're like happy which is definitely when i both find it a little more rare yeah it's also more special 
oh, so this is how I really feel. Exactly. And I think it, like, it's it's not just the guard to them, it's the guard to you. Yeah, it is. And it's, like, it's easier to hide when you're sad than when you're happy. Mm-hmm. And I was so just uncomfortable at the start of it. And then I got really com- comfortable. Nina, when she read my cards on New Year's Day, she was like, you're gonna be in a type of relationship where it ends and you realize, like, it doesn't always have to end painfully. I can't say it, like, ended well because there are some unresolved, like, feelings and stuff. I still really like them and think for the most part they still really like me. And But it's not painful. And I kind of was, like, wowed at how not in pain I was. And then I was like, oh, because that wasn't intense and unhealthy. That's probably why. You know? Yeah, and we, we also talked about this. Like, it, it, it was kind of the first like, thing that you developed that you felt was super genuine mm-hmm. and it wasn't your friend. That was strange to date someone that wasn't my friend first. That was the first time that had ever happened. It's also like, in my last relationship, so much of our relationship took place in like a pretty transformative few years. A lot of my identity was formed then or added on to rather. And when we broke up, I had just was just so scared because I was like, I don't know what, it was a very unhealthy relationship and we were very wrapped up in each other. Knew each other so well, we couldn't make decisions without each other. And that's why, you know, whatever. Um, and I was like, I don't know what was in me and what was in them. And I don't know who I am without them. And that's terrifying. And I'm afraid I won't like her. And I was just scared of the way my identity would change without them, which it changed for the better. And I'm very happy about that and i think that's a lesson a lot of people need to learn but with this it's like there's no pain because i'm i'm still a bad bitch uh, yeah, yeah i yeah. started a bad bitch and i like ended a bad. you know what i mean like not my identity was not at all like altered yeah. by this relationship not to say that it wasn't productive or wasn't like nice like some things are just nice you can learn things from people without it Im- impacting your personality you know i think that's something that i like i watched you i always knew you as a very like confident um, but I, like, you really do stand on your own, and you, when you walk in a room, that's Caroline, you know, and it's not like, that's Caroline and her friends, like, no, that's Caroline, and all these other cool people, but that's something I'm really proud of you for. Thank you. Right? And so I think that that helps whatever relationship you get into. Now, even if you're hurting, even if it sucks, you have no question about what you give out, like, what your outcome yes. is. Yes, 100%. I think that's the best place to be in a relationship. Being like, I know who I am without you. It was kind of liberating to be like, you know, I never said this to him. Here we are. I want you, but I don't need you. And I think that says more about how much I want you. Whereas I used to confuse the want and the need. I used to feel like I needed past people in my life because they like gave me something or whatever that I wasn't giving myself. But I'm giving myself everything I need. And I think it's even more flattering that it's like, oh, I don't need you. I just like want you around. I'm really proud of myself for getting there because as you saw this winter, I was just very unsure of myself in like the worst way ever, um, which we'll get to this winter. I think it was a long time coming for you. Yeah. And it was like the alone time that you had was really, really good. But you definitely deserve some nurturing. And you still do deserve nurturing. You always do. But I love watching you in a relationship because it's it goes back to like the dependence. Like you aren't dependent. You're just adding like another soul into your circle. Right. I think I was decently unapologetic. Yeah, and you're 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 really good at spreading love. You know, you don't you don't 
I think a lot of couples I watch, I get really irritated because when they get into that relationship, all of the love that they had for everyone else in their life just directs to this one person. And then it's like, well, where are all these other people that you right. had? Right. Because that seemed a little more stable. Right. And you're very, like, unchanging and reliable on that. Right. And it's because I wasn't before. When I was in my first relationship, mm-hmm. I cut all my friends out. He was always like, you need more, like, alone time. And I was always like, yeah. But of course, like, I was like, okay, so I'll cut out my friends rather than you. And I ended up not having any friends. And, like, because I made that mistake once and it, it broke my own heart to hurt people who had, like, been there around me. You know, because when everything comes crashing, who's fucking there? your friends that experience i was like okay i'll never do that again so even dating someone new it was like okay well you're dating me but also like if you don't if you don't even want to hang out with my friends this is not going to work not saying you have to be around my friends all the time but if you're not even open to hanging out with them a little bit it's not going to work the people i love is a reflection of who i am with flaws and all of course your flaws are going to be different than your friends flaws but for the most part it's a reflection of you but that was a beautiful experience because they were very down glad it happened and it happened happened. and that's that so let's fast forward to the career side of your life because we love that part yes you wrote a lot of yes just over this entire year like too many songs for my little heart to take i heard a lot of them they were all good but um, thank you it was just (laughs) it was just so much and it was really just very hurtful at a certain point Mm -hmm. and to the point where like my songwriting teacher who I checked in with every week knew my song so well and like would know the people I was talking about. At one point he literally said, I don't think he would say that. <laughs> and I was very alarmed and very unco- And then I was like, you're right. He wouldn't say that. Like it was just too many songs. But I did start exploring with producers this year. And another thing that was a huge lesson that I learned, which I'm glad I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's take a break. My really good friend Alejandro also talked me through this kind of lesson. Like he kind of saw it happening at the time was what's the difference between what I listen to and what I am. And I was just making music with producers that was like shit I was into, but it was like so not me because I kept saying like, oh, these are my influences, but your influences are not what you're going to sound like. And I'm really glad I learned that lesson before I got into Clive. Yeah. Because had everyone be been patting me on the back for something that wasn't me I would have went fuck now I gotta go with it and felt inauthentic and felt like it wasn't doing my songs justice no it's definitely important dude and, and no, yeah it's, it's especially going to like a really let's promote your music to exactly what the yes. friends are saying now yes you really need to be like but I sound like this yes dude it's I know really important it got really scary this year because I was like working really hard on making this thing work and I would say to myself I'm like but it's so fucking cool why isn't it me you know what I mean and, and just because it's really cool doesn't mean you should go with it and so I've had a lot of trial and errors with music this year along with like I wrote a lot of good songs which is like lovely and wonderful musically there's been a lot of like like I've always known who I am who yeah that's correct um your music is a painting and the frames is a production. And I tried a lot of different frames this year. And I think even the nicest frames just didn't fit the picture. And now I think I, I know I know what I want from seeing what I didn't want. Um, but I did take a little break from music this summer. But not like, like I've done all my, I've done lessons, done guitar lessons and I've done voice lessons. And I've been really into music this summer. Music is getting good. And I'm, like, getting back into, like, older stuff and, and realizing new things about it. Um, like what? 
Um, well, the Beach Boys had a huge influence on me, and I hadn't listened to the whole discography of the Beach Boys in two years. I got back into television, which is my favorite band in high school. I got back into St. Vincent, as I do every year. Um, there's like a different album I listen to for every season. Um, but when I listen to St. Music, I'm like, I have to say, for the first time in about three years, I'm in the headspace of like, oh, I l- this is why I love music. And it's, I'm really riding that wave really riding that wave right now i also listen to the gap band a lot with my mom and stuff like that um so musically very productive year of failures but now i know what i want i have a lot of people that are willing to that just believe in my kind of like pitch of what i want to make and i'm working with them basically this fall and i'm like i really look forward to it um and i'm really excited for that and i think this break was I needed to take a step back and be like, you need to get your head out of your fucking ass. Get your head out of the reverb pedal that you're, is making you cry. Not the and engineering. Not no. the engineering. Get your head out of your ass and realize, like, why you're making this. And let yourself be inspired. And I think I'm there. And I also, this summer, was just like, I need to live to write. Because I've been in captivity, it feels like. Not living. And, like, and now, like, there's just been things happening where I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good to write it's gonna be so good to write about um goal for the next year is to write more we instead of i i'd love to write more about my peers and i spend so much time with my friends that it shouldn't be a problem and you're all a cast of characters and it's just so interesting um yeah so that i'm actually really excited musically and i'm back on stage like a real stage august 21st august elsewhere 21st, henry elsewhere. hall and onesie acting wise i took a shit ton of acting classes this year and i'm in a short film right now you filmed and it like yesterday yes i did and i'm really excited about that and i'm probably gonna be in another short film at some point soon okay. and we're just gonna go from there okay yeah and podcast wise we've like tripled in listeners and like People like our memes. Did not think I'd be running a meme account, but here we are. Um, you have really good friends for that. Yeah, I literally can't take credit for that. Like, um, the memes are pretty outstanding. They're really funny. Yeah, and now we're going to have a whole film crew in this room this fall. Before this summer happened, I was like, oh, I want this to be my last summer of being a kid. Then I want to like get famous this year and like drop out of college. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't feel like that anymore. Not that I don't want success any fucking way, shape, or form. I do. I take it anyway. Oat milk, almond milk, soy, anyway. Um, I don't think I want this summer to be my last kid summer. I think I have. I just think I have a lot of. Well, okay, but like when you become successful, you're way less of a kid. You're not a kid anymore. Yes, but I think that the true way of being an adult. I think so too, but that's a new chapter. A new I don't chapter. think I'm ready to. Ch- yeah, I'm not. Like, I haven't even been to Clive yet, technically. I just feel like I'm going to learn so much and it's going to be, like, really good for me. And, like, I really like school. um So, I don't know. I'm really excited. Okay. Okay. So, here's what we're going to do I have a list of questions from your friends. From my friends. That they wanted me to ask you about. First question. I want Caroline to tell us about the most sentimental object in her room. And if a sentimental burglar stole it, (laughs) to what length would she go to get it back? Oh, my God. Wait, but I'm so afraid that now someone's going to, like, burglarize my room. 
she has been scared about this for a while i get guys i get okay they'll never find them though that's the thing hmm what i'm gonna say is gonna sound really superficial i mean my okay can i can this not include journals okay because that's like really different okay so my roommate in staten it'd be my self portrait i think Hmm. from when i was six years old it's a silhouette oh yeah it's beautiful it's this but it's the original so this is a copy that's in my room now so this could burn Okay. But I have the original at home. You prepared for like a museum heist. Exactly. She's no, I'm like, face. I'm weirdly very scared of this. So like, <laughs> um, I think that would be it. And this little, um, I have this little dog statue that my great grandmother gave to me that I would take. That's from my home at home. And I know the second I listen to this, I'm going to regret saying all of those things because they're going to be, I don't know. The room that I'm in right now. Oh. My Peter Schmidt and Brian Eno songwriting cards, 1973 edition. See, when I was thinking about this interview, I was going to think about doing the Brian Eno. Oh, really? And then I was like, this bitch, I know she's been through all that fucking I haven't. Cards. I really? haven't been through all those cards because I use them very wisely. Hmm. Or, um, no, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, no. I, another thing I have in this room is thrifted photos from 1964 on the staten island ferry yeah it was like i found them on a really bad day i i like to thrift photos and um film negatives um which i actually thrifted a really oh maybe this will be the item never mind i thrifted a very cool uh film negative of a rhino that went extinct oh you told me about this and that's like a big that's like a a good find um but the pictures of the staten island ferry from 1964 are in my drawer i like to look at them from time to time so have you discovered new parts of yourself this year that you didn't know before? Do you feel like old parts of you died and regenerated? Well, I, let's start with old parts of myself dying. I think I've never felt more insecure than this winter. And then when life started going back to normal, maybe this part isn't dead. Maybe it'll come back. But I just kind of was like, you're still you no matter how you feel about yourself. And baseline, you love that person. so. N- like i don't know every time i'm kind of feeling bad i'm like not feeling bad like i just think i i just think i did hit rock bottom and i'm like when you hit rock bottom i don't this is just for me i was like fuck i just like never want to go there again i think i've had to develop new new tools to make myself feel better when i'm feeling like i'm going down there again and like i've been exercising those tools and like really doing it and being like we're just not going there again I, i used to spiral a lot more than i do now I think I've developed some like proper tools to do that. So hopefully we don't go to rock bottom again, but life is not an uphill trajectory or a roller coaster. Another part of myself that I think died was this level of uncertainty that I wore on like my face. I think I think back to like my junior year of high school and I was so fucking afraid of like everything. I was like so scared of my music isn't good enough or like I just don't look good enough. I mean, I was at my thinnest in my junior year of high school and I felt my fucking worst. Like, you know, I was just in a state of delusion about like my self-worth and like petrified of being myself, but I couldn't help be myself. And that scared me too. And now I've learned that that's a good thing, that I literally can't help it but to be myself, even if it doesn't fit the room I'm in. I can hang, but I'm still me at the, like, I don't, like, morph to the people around me. I acclimate, but morphing is different, and I realize that that's a good thing, that I can't help but to, like, be myself vigorously. But when I, yes, I am a fixed sign. (laughs) I'm, like, (laughs) I think I'm a double fixed sign, but, um, yeah, like, I literally can't help it. Um, 
wait was the beginning of the question but i think that fear of, of some okay just just in whole in some i think the part of myself that was afraid of myself being myself is dead there's a really scared person inside of me that's just scared of different things now yeah what was the first part of that question the first part was did you parts of yourself you did um no i don't think i knew how much fun i could have with myself and how like this is gonna sound pompous but i really don't mean it to be pompous at all but i really didn't know how smart i was until this year because i had spent so much time with myself giving myself a chance to really formulate new ideas and like put effort in challenging my own schools of thought like a lot of effort um and i think i'm sensitive in an intellectual way i'm really sensitive to like observing every dimension of what you're saying and every way you meant it and every place it came from do you know what i mean like i'm really sensitive to like taking apart language and understanding it taking apart stories and taking apart well did this come from a place of is this a projection or like this like really sensitive to that in a good way there's only reason harder longer about it yeah yeah but also sometimes like it's not even it doesn't come from a place of insecurity but it's a, I wonder why I think that. And then I'm thinking about society. And then I'm thinking about the way I grew up. And then it's spiraling into something. But it's spiraling in a good way. And I think I discovered that I'm actually really smart <laughs> this year. Thank you. Next question. Do you think there is a universal quality or killer instinct that makes an artist successful? And is there one specific to Gen Z in particular? And that doesn't mean all artists have to have the quality. But Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan had something the rest didn't. What a weird fucking question. What a weird fucking question. Also, it's a very controversial question because Kobe Bryant was not an artist. Yeah. So, like, whoever asked this question, like, really just did not read it through. Um, But thanks. What? In Gen Z, I think it's subtly abrasive. In bluntness rather than traditional abrasiveness. I think there's an abrasive part to vulnerability. I think sometimes people are like, well, I mean, Phoebe Bridgers isn't Gen Z, but Gen Z likes her because of that. Because they're like, yeah, push the fucking boundary. Make me uncomfortable. I think someone like Willow. Someone like Willow. Or all of the fucking Smiths are just crazy. All of the Smiths, they're all kind of wild. Yeah. No, I mean, someone like Willow. I think Gen Z artists who are successful have this quality of using their vulnerability as a weapon. I think artists overall, they make you lean forward instead of back. Mm. My acting teacher told me that when I was a little kid. He said, don't lean forward. You you want them to lean forward. We're just in a conversation. He said, never lean forward. You make people lean forward. He was like, look at those eyes. You're a killer. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it really stuck with me. That stuck with me. What has given you perspective this year besides the immediate pan- pandemic? I think we talked about this a little. Well, I have dealt with a lot of grief this year. That gave me perspective on like, you have to fucking live right now. You have to do it right now. And I think that's kind of what made me spiral into the Say Yes Summer, which this has been Say Yes Summer. Every time I go to a party, I said to Party Zach, I said, I, he said something. He was like, want to go to this club? And I said, yes, it's Say Yes Summer. And he's like, Say Yes Summer. And I said, Say Yes Summer. And everyone yelled it. Like, like, I literally have not said no once this summer. And honestly, a piece of advice that Nicole gave me, shout out, that really stuck with me. And it has to do with my insecurity keeping me from doing things is that she was like, do it afraid. Don't let fear stop you. Just do it afraid. And I just kept telling myself that. I was like, do it afraid. You're going to, you have to do it. Do it afraid. And guys, I obviously don't mean for every situation. Let's be very clear. (laughs) The things you want. For the things you like secretly really want, but think you're like not hot enough for, 
or not smart enough for, do it afraid. And that kind of changed my life. Um, my childhood um, nanny, who raised me from birth to like five years old, round, maybe that's rough estimate, but like maybe one to five or whatever, um, passed away. And, you know, she was a huge part of my family. And she taught me like how to feel kind and how to like exercise grace while being enraged and how to be graceful and angry at the same time. And like, just, I don't know, there's just a lot of things that she taught me and like also was always just like, Caroline's a genius and Caroline's this and Caroline's that and like was so proud of me. And, you know, I had learning disability growing up and, and I had a lot of trouble in school and she would always be like, it doesn't matter. This doesn't define you. Like, you are so special. You're just having problems right now. And, like, I think that was so important. I think I'm so lucky that I was raised with, like, people, like, believing in me, even when, like, the school system didn't. Because, like, you know, I wasn't believed in in any of the systems I was in, whether that be outside of school or inside school. Um, And that, her passing away, obviously, like, there's a lot of that goes into that because it's also, like, I, I, I miss her and everything, but it's, it also just reminded me of who I am. So definitely changed my view on that. It also a little bit, it sent me into a career spiral because I was like, oh, I thought I would have been more successful by now. And she didn't get to see me like do what I said I would. And and it sent, you know, I stayed up for like three days and like thought about my career and like made all these plans and stuff like that. But she would have wanted me to also enjoy being 19. So it's okay that I didn't reach those goals before she passed away. You know, because I wouldn't have been a normal kid and I'm enjoying it right now. Do you feel closer to being an adult or a child? And how and what has that changed that so, yeah. over the past year? Um, This is like a question you avoid. It is a question I avoid in life. I definitely feel closer to being a child, but I think it's because I was a different type of child. In other states and stuff like that, like people get married at this age. Well, we don't live by those standards. I Exactly. Like we live, we live by very different standards. So I think right now in the society and community we grow up in, like we're very much closer to children. I actually feel more like a kid than I did when I was 18. Interesting. Oh. I think 19 and 20 are just those in that you're like, well, no one says what you're supposed to do at this age. Yes. So now it's like anything fucking goes. But when I was 18, also, I was just not taking advantage of being 18. And I was, like, not taking any risks. No risk, no reward. So, that's that. What's the embarrassing... What's that embarrassing thing you think about before bed that will haunt you forever? Oh, my fucking God. Who the fuck <laughs> asked that question? Um. Okay, to be honest, I don't get embarrassed often. I'm very hard to embarrass. She's just so cool. No, no, no. It's not that I'm so cool. It's just maybe I'm just like less self-aware. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't get embarrassed that often. That's not what I think of before bed is the embarrassing thing. I on, Dude, wait. I did something really embarrassing last week, but I really don't want to say it. The fans want to know. Okay. So I told Ava that someone I like knew was like over there. We went to a party and i wrote it on my because it was so loud so i wrote it on my phone oh <laughs> you know what i'm about to say you know what i'm about to say oh god uh oh damn. um so i wrote it on my phone because i didn't want to yell at her and i said oh it's that person over there who we had ran into like a week before at a different event and ava was like oh no way and i was like yes way so then i go up to them we're just like well i'm just like hey what's up like blah blah we went to this other event together blah blah 
completely pretending that we did not match on tinder like completely just pretending we didn't do that he's like oh you should i'm throwing this thing like you should come and i was like oh yeah of course let me write it in my phone i go in my phone their name is there in all caps for when i told ava and i was like uh, 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 and he was like oh nah like i i I asked my friend if that was you and he was like oh word yeah whatever like he didn't he didn't seem uncomfortable at all he was but which was kind of true like i literally did it was true it was true that was mortifying that was mortifying but did you have everything you had to say about winter no i think we can just splice that in yeah we'll splice it in the beginning about it yeah let's go from the beginning (laughs) you look like you've been crying your eyes out bro i really haven't i haven't cried once i think it's like the makeup and there's like one glitter speck under your eye um and i'm a pretty crier it makes you look like i just came from euphoria so we move in here after my birthday last year. Fall was really hard. I felt very disconnected. I think that's why I've worked so hard this summer to be connected musically and emotionally with people. And now I feel so connected. Was ju- I was just going through a really hard time. I knew I didn't want to be at school. I had that insane nannying job, which took a real toll on my mental health, which we talked about. Um, And it took a really big toll on like my relationship with my body and... Um, I had a lot of like disordered eating habits that came back, unfortunately, which I don't think I've talked about my eating disorder on here, but you know, it's the first time for everything. And I did seek help and was going to therapy quite a bit and stuff like that. But it was just like, I was just not in a good space to be alone. It was just hard to talk to people because everyone was like, oh yeah, everyone's miserable because it was COVID. I just felt like I wasn't being heard. So I was like, "You you don't get it you know and being in the same room all day is like very bad for adhd and i was getting back into that habit of kind of like can't focus and i fucking hate myself because of it and i can't get this done and i can't practice and i fucking hate myself because of it but it was very i understood why you know um and i was just in a very bad space and it was kind of winter i had been having a really hard few weeks and i just thought about my place in this world too much and i was just trying so hard to like make myself feel better i think i got back from getting a coffee at a coffee shop but i just broke down on my floor and i was just like i need to talk to someone that has no bearing on my life and that won't i won't be afraid to say what i'm thinking in front of so i called the national suicide hotline and i called and i was like hey i'm not suicidal but why am i thinking about my death so much and why do i feel so alone and i just started hysterical crying and i was like i'm i have so many amazing people in my life that i just feel completely disconnected from and i'm very lucky and i feel really lucky to be living in new york city and i feel really lucky to be like in school and i feel really lucky to like have have a sibling and like really lucky to like have a mom and like family and you know i was just like why do i feel so empty and we like talked talked about it and i actually like felt so heard and i just felt so much better after talking and i felt like i wasn't worrying anyone i did say though i was like i'm very aware of like 
the situation I'm in but I don't know I feel so bad do I have to be hospitalized and I kept asking her I was like do I have to be hospitalized because I don't feel like I could be alone right now we just talked about it and we got to the point where we were like I don't think you have to be hospitalized that was like the original reason I called was like am I having a nervous breakdown by the end of the phone call I was folding clothes and making my bed and I was like talking to a neighbor and after that I was like these helplines like help people all the time who are like going through many different things and like the I think it we talked for like maybe a half hour and like I was in shambles at the start of the phone call and then at the end of it I was making my bed and I looked down and I was like I'm literally folding a sweatshirt right now like we are so much better than we started and a huge part of what we talked about was um I was like how do I tell my friends that I'm fragile without telling them I'm suicidal because I'm not suicidal but I'm really unwell I don't know how to tell them how to be fragile around me without saying why and we talked about it we talked about like how to talk to your friends it was just it was so transformative and it made me see those public resources like in a whole new light because i never thought i'd need them i read something recently that was like this experience but like in a different setting and with a different person and i've never told anyone this before so i didn't tell the person i was with like how that like reading that affected me because i read this experience that was like just like my own and they were like, you good? And I was like, yeah, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. And it re- really just like made me think about this. And I'm just, I'm very grateful. Um, And I had my mom pick me up and I went home for the weekend and like started going to therapy like twice a week after that and stuff like that. And like, I'm, I'm okay now. I still have emotions and all that stuff. And like, I, I think I'm glad I met some of the people I met this summer and not earlier. Has home changed um yeah yeah it has my home life has changed but i think home to me is like cicadas in the morning and coffee with my mom and that can really be wherever had a pool party (laughs) yes this is my segue had a pool party at your home Mm. and we all had a really great time and there was like a thing that happened are you talking about the meltdown i had when i broke down crying holding tea you are talking about that okay there was this i had been like grieving because my nanny passed and um everyone was like asking to get me this get me that give me this and when you have people over they're always like taking your fucking clothes and food and it's fine but everyone was asking a lot of me and i was like getting like this boy tea and i was getting sweatshirts and i was like holding all this stuff and i just started breaking down crying and i was like why don't i ever feel taken care of and i feel like i'm always taking care of other people i was like i think i've officially given from an empty well and then the only person i wanted to talk to was ava because i was like you're the only person that will understand what i feel and i just felt this need to stop giving but you don't really get to decide that you know and you like to decide that but you do get to you get to fight for what you deserve mm-hmm. right and i don't think i did but i think that was a conscious decision not to fight for what i deserved this summer because i also get a high off of giving to people so i took i took that and ran with it and then i was like with someone and they kind of said that to me they were like you give so much you leave nothing for yourself and you're burning the candle at both ends and i was kind of like you're included in that equation 
I give the most to you right now. Every person that tells me I need more alone time is asking me of my time. And it's inherently contradictory. So it's hard to trust when someone's like, you need alone time, except for when I ask you for a favor. Like, you know, like that's how it has felt like for the last few years. So every time someone tells me it, I'm like, if you were serious about my alone time, you'd stop fucking bugging me, you know, in the most loving way, you'd stop fucking bugging me, you know? So that's interesting. Why? Did you have any thoughts on that experience? Did it reveal anything about me? And you kind of said it said like you made a choice yeah not fight for because it's not transactional yeah like at a certain point you are a human being yeah um, and like in terms of like friendships we both know that's been a big thing this summer or this year i think i asked for help like serious help and i told people they were hurting me that i hadn't told and i forgave Another thing that was for me was just like acknowledging that some types of love shift form but remain for people and not hating myself for it anymore. You were there for that too. Allowing myself to feel that was something I did for myself. And letting myself like someone. Yeah, even, even when I knew it was like probably like it was my wrong place, wrong time. I definitely wasn't vulnerable with this person, which is okay. But I think I like threw myself into something for the fun of it without there being anything kind of to show for it. And I was like, it's okay because there is something to show for it. It's like personal growth. It's the fact that I really enjoyed this person. And I think I did that for myself. And you like talking to them. Yeah. It's yeah. It's important that you find people in this world that you like talking to. Because there's a lot of people that you don't like talking, or at least I find, I don't like talking to. They're just boring. I agree. And you keep a really, like, you know, intense conversation. Yeah. Not in a bad way. And, you know, for someone to kind of match you on that, you know, that's important to just, like, navigate through life. On the other hand, kill all men. Yeah, that's enough about it. I think, unless you have anything else you want to say, any last words about what the fact that I was manic pixie dream girl. That you said it. What do you think I'm afraid of? I think you're afraid of so much. Okay, let's talk about it. I think, I mean, like you're obviously psychoanalyze the fuck out of me. You're the only person that's allowed to of being just hurt in a way that you can't find a remedy for. And you can't, or feeling a feeling that you can't decipher. Like, I think anything that you can't make sense of, it's like, well, then that's not worth exploring. Not that it's not worth exploring. I'll explore it. I'll do it afraid. I also have a language processing disorder. So when I start being speechless, it's because I'm feeling something really intense. And when I don't know what to say, it's because of that. I'm very articulate until I feel a feeling I haven't felt before in which I'm a mute. And I can't figure it out. And, you know, this summer, there are a bunch of kind of new feelings that someone would look at me and say, what the fuck did you just say, Caroline? And I just didn't make any sense. I'd be like, and they'd be like, what? You know, Um, so I think language is a huge part. Not having the language to describe how I'm feeling and feeling that baby rage that I felt as like a little kid, like is a really terrifying feeling to approach and sometimes i'm hesitant while approaching it yeah but i like i, I yeah i but i see the difference between hesitant like i see like i i know that caroline but there's a like a, there's a difference between hesitance and just stopping in its track yeah before seeing what the possibilities are because you're pretty sure about what what the what the outcome is gonna be because you're used to it 
Yeah. Yeah. But I think I went into a few things career-wise, too. I was like, I don't know the outcome of this, and I'm going to have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And it was like an exercise in letting it go. I think that you question your vulnerability a lot in ways that I think you don't need to. Like, there's there's parts of, like, I think that, stop me if I'm wrong, you question your vulnerability in terms of how people perceive you. And I don't think that's where you have vulnerability, like, things to work on. I think it comes with on a much more personal level with people closer to you because you're very open. You're very cathartic to people around you. But you don't necessarily try to let people be cathartic to you. I think it's a tough time trying to make me feel better. Yeah. I don't think it's an easy feat. I don't really let it happen. Because I think when people make me feel better, it makes me feel like I'm not in control of doing it myself. I can't say I can't say many people are let in to my like psyche. Mm-hmm. If you will, like, like I think I can name five people who understand the essence of me. I can name three people who truly know me, and that's not me saying I'm not like other girls. That is not what I'm saying. For six weeks this summer, Mr. Maxine was our fifth inhabitant. Yes, and he lived in Caroline's room. We once upon a time. Yes, we did share a room. They shared a bed and a bathroom and a bathroom. And a ba- important to include the bathroom. They were a married couple, platonically. Platonically. Yes. And we all loved it. Yes. But I'm sure Caroline has things to say about sleeping with a man you're not sleeping with. Sleeping with a man you're not sleeping with is just... <laughs> I love vaccine, but there's just no benefit. Um, And it's just like, you definitely just get on each other's nerves. Like, all the time. Like, no matter who you are. I mean, it's literally why... Like, I literally looked at him and I was like, you are just changing my entire view on marriage. Because I don't understand how anyone shares a bed with anyone. Also, I think it's important to include that Maxime and I both have ADHD. We would just argue before bed and then also just joke around and literally be nonstop laughing until like 3 a.m. Like, every night. And I remember on like the fifth night he was here, I was like, Maxime, if you fucking like tickle me one more time, I'm going to beat you up. And he was like, but it's like sleepover vibes, which was the most (laughs) European thing he literally said ever. And I was like, you are staying here for six weeks. It cannot be sleepover vibes every fucking night. I need to go to bed. Sharing a room with just like a man is just like funny. And I remember my sister was like, wait, you guys are both in here and with the cats and the watermelons. And we were like, yeah. And she was like, what a bohemian lifestyle. (laughs) And I was like, is this the 70s? Yeah. I was also like dating someone while going to bed every night with like a different person platonically. Important to always include that, which was just like funny. It's it's just the same as like having like a best friend sleepover and you just lay there and you're like talking about boys. Except you're talking about boys and this person you're with is talking about girls. And it was just funny and frustrating. And then I literally was like, okay, so if you can literally stay in my bed, I think you could stay in the other room. Would you like to move in with me? So Maxime is moving in and becoming a fourth roommate, which is so funny because he was on the podcast in winter and we just did not think that was going to happen. I'm so excited for the drama. Living in a room with someone who also has like, you know, who has the people like right before bed every night like who who like is beepooping like before bed and just like riling you up all the time is like exhausting but i was also like i love being a teenager and being able to like just like goof off with my friend you know on tuesday i am flying to meet maxime she's going to greece yes i am Um.
So how has the internet impacted you then? Is it like a perception thing that's related or like, or you? My relationship with the internet has vastly changed this year in a very good way. Okay. I resent the internet for the way it made me self-conscious. Right. As we all do. Then I became liked. Okay. People started to really like me on the internet. I said, huh, this is interesting. Why do they like me? It's important for me to be authentic in this interview because what you see on Instagram is not what's real life, not real at all. It's an eighth of a version of yourself at most. Everyone is showing their best selves on the internet and even that's kind of shitty. And and it's important for me to say like it's, an, it's not all easy and it's not, no one's life is perfect. No one's life is, a, is aesthetically pleasing. Exactly. That's important. And I don't even think I've accepted that myself. Then I started getting really comfortable in my presence on the internet and through this podcast, a bunch of like testing the boundaries of what I'm comfortable and uncomfortable with sharing. And then felt really ugly this winter. I just felt like a catfish. And I think I have just overall body dysmorphia that I definitely had in high school um, that kind of just like reared its ugly head this winter. And I completely became like everyone who likes me on the internet, they don't know me. And if they knew me, they wouldn't like me. Because also that was like something someone said to me once and it really hurt my feelings. And the only things that hurt your feelings are things you think could be true. And it's because I thought it could be true. Which is something my friend, shout out Alex Zavoda, told me. And I was like, you're right, that's why that hurt me. Um, And he was like, because you think it's true. And I was like, yeah. Then I kind of got over that a little bit and started meeting people I had became friends with on the internet through quarantine. And I was like, oh, they still like me? Guess we're doing okay. And then I was like, fuck it, let's play with this. If these are the tools we have, let's not cry over how sharp the tools are. Let's use the tools. Then I just started like enjoying it more and enjoying being on the internet more, enjoying like having recorded laughter on the internet more, like all these beautiful things. And just was like, life is too short not to be silly. Someone asked me, is it easier for you to be vulnerable in real life or the internet? And I said the internet because I undoubtedly forfeit my boundaries for art's sake. You also didn't include one of my fears, which I talked to my mom the other day. I made a really good few days of like heart to hearts. And I asked her, I know no parent wants your kid to grow up fast, but was there a part of you that couldn't wait to have like deep talks with me? And she was like, we've been having deep discussions since you were a little kid. I was like, what? And she was like, we were talking about life. And she was like, you were terrified of growing up. She was like, we had these conversations a lot. And you were like, my life is so good right now. I love being six. My life is really good. And I love playing. And my mom said she used to tell me, your adventures don't stop. They just get bigger. And we'll do other things. And we'll go, you'll be able to go to more places as you get older. And they'll just add on to those things they don't ever go away she said i just like was terrified of growing up and i think now as i'm saying goodbye to like my teens technically i don't think i'm so scared which i think is a really good thing but maybe i'm just lying to myself but i don't feel i don't feel scared i think that's a pretty identifiable feeling for me one thing that i asked myself in my last episode was like so i listened to my 18 episode and Correct me if I'm wrong, side trackers, but the, um, LOL. Can you believe that? So in the last episode, I ended it with, 
you look really happy, are you? Because I said, what's one thing I would tell myself? My 19-year-old self. And that's a weird fucking thing to say, but I said it. I was feeling, I guess, was it the Being 18 episode? It was very not intentionally angsty at all. Like, don't fuck this up, Caroline. Not again. So the answer is yes, I am happy. But happiness doesn't matter. What? (laughs) It doesn't. It literally doesn't. Being happy is a very fleeting feeling. Your end goal in life shouldn't be happiness. And you shouldn't freak out every time you're not happy. You should feel your feelings. I'm learning to accept my own rage. And I'm learning to accept my own frustration. And it's not all fucking pretty. And that's fine. Anger and rage is like integral to who I am. So I would say, I would say happiness. Yes, happiness isn't the only thing that matters. Just like the whole, okay, happiness matters, but like, just like the whole discussion of like, love doesn't matter sometimes, which I tell you all the fucking time. Yes, you do. It's a true Caroline trope of, I I tell everyone this, my best relationship advice is love, sometimes love just doesn't matter and it should never be the thing that keeps things together. You can't build a relationship on love, trust, and honesty. Love can exist without both of those things. So. What I would tell to 20-year-old Carolyn, oh dear, she's coming soon. Um, <laughs> I would tell 20-year-old Carolyn, I'm who you did this for. And that's this episode of Sidetracked. Thank you for doing this. I love you. So much. So much. Like a dummy of mouth. Don't make me cry on this podcast. <laughs>